The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Examining the issues, this is Unleashed with Mark Morano on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome to Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. All right. We have an exciting show. Joining us after the first break will be James uh, Roguski, a researcher, uh, author, and activist who's been studying and reporting on this World Health Organization pandemic treaty. So you're going to want to stay tuned after the first break. Uh, This is probably, as I've said many times, the greatest single threat to our freedom and national autonomy that I think is out there at the moment. And I guess it really comes down to the next election because Donald Trump vowed to pull us out, did pull us out of the World Health Organization. And of course, Joe Biden, as we'll find out, in many cases wants to go beyond what the World Health Organization has proposed under this pandemic treaty. So we'll see if you want to be beholden to Bill Gates-funded scientists doing China's agenda. Uh, But of course, living in America, most of the public health people are doing Bill Gates and China's agenda when they locked us down and mask mandated us and vaccine mandated and closed churches and schools and stay-at-home orders and made us follow the science. We'll ask about all that. So anyway, all right. On the last show, I had some fun uh, with Saturday Live and how embarrassingly stupid they were, having never heard of the phrase debanking. And they made fun of Donald Trump talk about someone who was debanked. And just to remind you, debanking is when a bank will no longer do business with you or deny you services because they don't like your politics. And I gave you the example of Nigel Farage, the former member of EU parliament, uh, who was literally debanked over his stance on climate change because he was skeptical. And this isn't an opinion or speculation. It's not disputed. They got the Freedom of Information Act request from the major bank in England, which revealed the bank people saying his stance on climate change is the problem and they're not going to be associated. We also had Donald Trump's um, National Security Advisor Flynn uh, have his, I think it was Bank of America. They said he was a, quote, reputational risk to do business with. So debanking is real. It's out there. It's actually part of central bank digital currency, which I'm going to be talking about here in a moment and playing some clips. Um, but I wanted to say something good about Saturday Night Live. Now, I've, you know, this is probably one of the greatest clips of Saturday Night Live in recent years. It's Woody Harrelson comparing the corporate government collusion of uh of the vaccine mandates to drug cartels. And this, this along with Dave Chappelle calling Donald Trump an honest liar, don't be offended by that because he made a very good point about Trump's appeal to people. Uh, and I don't even think Donald Trump was lying. I just think Donald Trump was unable to follow through on his full vision of draining the swamp because mostly because of bad appointments that he surrounded himself with. But anyway, this is clip one, Woody Harrelson on Saturday Night Live about two years ago. It is just the ultimate clip that gave an FU to NBC News and the entire corporate media establishment. He got in a lot of trouble for this clip one. Okay, so the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes. And people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is going to believe that crazy idea? Uh, To me, that it it went on uh, actually a little bit longer as as he laid it out. But he nails it. That is exactly what we lived through. Bill Gates, record profits, big pharma, record profits. They made a crappy substandard product, the mRNA vaccine, 
bypassed the usual uh, approval process. Uh, we're able to get Operation Warp Speed to not only with not only was mRNA able to bypass the COVID vaccine, the normal process, but they were able to ban other effective treatments and even have national pharmacies say, "No, we're not going to give out your doctor's prescription because uh, we can't do that. The corporate government collusion. We're not allowed to." And you had pharmacists overruling doctors on prescriptions from ivermectin on down. Um, so Woody Harrelson really nails it, and it's just another one of those traditionally left-wing people who I'm willing to welcome in the fold. We had the Russell Brand clip yesterday, just really fantastic stuff. Um, okay, this is Archbishop Vagano, and this man has been a harsh critic of the Great Reset. I featured him in my book, um, The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Dockdown. Make sure you pick up a copy today, available at Amazon uh, and other fine retailers like Barnes & Noble. But in my book, I uh, feature Vigano going on and on about the Great Reset, but I thought you'd like to hear it. Here's where he's talking about the World Economic Forum threatening, uh, is threatening for the heads of government in 20 most industrialized nations to carry out the Great Reset. The World Economic Forum, remember, has penetrated the cabinets in the words of Klaus Schwab. But here's Archbishop Vigano, Catholic Archbishop, explaining the threat from the Great Reset, clip two. Those who do not adapt to this fourth industrial revolution will find themselves ousted and will lose. They will lose everything, including their freedom. In short, Klaus Schwab is threatening the head of government of the 20 most industrialized nations in the world to carry out the programmatic points of the Great Reset in their nation. This goes far beyond the pandemic. It is a global coup d'etat against which it is essential that people rise up and that the still healthy organ of state start an international juridical process. The threat is imminent and serious. Since the World Economic Forum is capable of carrying out its subversive project, and those who govern nations have all become either enslaved or blackmailed by this international mafia. What a great phrase, the international mafia, the drug cartel, as Woody Harrelson calls it. I endorse all of these descriptions. Americans need to wake up to the forces threatening our life, our liberty, our pursuit of happiness. It's that simple. God bless Bishop uh, Archbishop Vagano. He actually, along with several other Vatican officials, uh, have been very harsh, even on Pope Francis. Pope Francis is as opposite as you get. He is absolutely, not only is he clueless of the threat, he's embracing it fully. I call it the unholy alliance between the Vatican under Pope Francis uh, with these forces from the United Nations, from the World Health Organization, from the World Economic Forum. Um, and it's just, you know, this is our this is our battle. All right, uh, Jordan Peterson, the Canadian psychologist, and Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson is making a tour of Canada, specifically Alberta and a, and a couple of places, at the, which is beautiful. Calgary, all those areas of the Western Canada is a beautiful place uh, and actually pretty conservative compared to the rest of Canada. It reminds you of the American West. It's just beautiful landscapes, mountains. 
And one of the things Tucker pointed out is it's, I think it's only 10% the population density of the United States. It's just a huge wide open space with not many people. Of course, I guess not as much of Canada is habitable as the United States, the further north you go. Most of the population, as I understand, is concentrated along the U.S. border for mostly, I guess, temperate reasons, temperature reasons. So this is Jordan Peterson and Tucker Carlson explaining how you are the carbon they want to reduce. The same theme. They're talking about the forces of against us, the Great Reset forces. Clip four. The WF view, which is that, quite frankly, there's too goddamn many people on the planet. And every time I hear that, I think, just exactly what spirit is saying that and just precisely who the hell do you think should go and just exactly how what spirit animates them well if you believe people are the problem then that is of course a genocidal spirit if i believe that the problem with my kitchen is it has too many mice the solution is to kill the mice too many roaches i kill the roaches they're the problem they're the impediment and so make no mistake and this sort of tracks with what i was saying earlier don't lie to yourself about the agenda if people are the problem and you're a person, then your life is in the way of whatever goals they're seeking to achieve. By definition, am I missing something? No, I'm not. But all of us, it's so grotesque because to further elaborate in one sentence, it's a demonic spirit, just to be clear. Any, any spirit that seeks to hurt, kill, divide, demoralize other people is a demonic spirit by definition. So that's what animates it. You're the target and don't lie to yourself. Wow. And they both nailed it right on the head. You are the carbon they want to reduce. I spent a lot of time uh, on this show telling you about the study uh, about human breath. They're now coming after human breath as a global warming agent, and which means you have to be reduced. You have to be muzzled. They're coming after human pee, a Scientific American pointed out. And this goes back to the 1960s. You had Paul Ehrlich, Population Bomb, the Club of Rome, it's all about resource scarcity and harming Mother Earth. This is why the recent Davos, which we showed you that clip uh, about ecocide, uh, humans are raping and pillaging the Earth, and the Earth is fighting back in the legal system, a whole movement. And again, this is not some fringe movement. This is reported by CBS News. Uh, just I always like to mention the corporate media because people think like, oh, where'd you get that? Some obscure newsletter or secret anonymous source? No. This is reported everywhere. They're saying it all out loud. They want to make lakes, rivers, trees, parcels of land, give them legal personhood for protection, equal rights and courts of law against that. And of course, ecocide would be punishable by the International Criminal Tribunal. So this is the world we face if we allow it. Um, and this is, uh, I've been harping on this central bank digital currency, and I just think we can't talk about this enough. So my next two things before we go to the break are going to be about the personal carbon footprint and central bank digital currency. Um, this is how globalists and politicians are tightening control over humanity. Uh, this is clip five. Let's play the clip. And I think it's self-explanatory, but I'll give you a little bit more. And then I have the piece de resistance when we get back. This is explaining at a Bitcoin conference in Amsterdam, uh, which would be opposed to central bank digital currency, the problems with the central bank digital currency. Examples of how government is tying money with climate, for example, climate agenda. So Brazil and Australia are already tracking your carbon footprint in your apps and New York governor said recently that they're starting to track your consumption habits and they, we may have to have a very difficult conversation about your meat 
choices, right? If you can eat meat or not. Yeah. Okay. I, like I'm not talking specifically about Bitcoin, but I am because everything that you won't be able to do with CBDC, you'll still be able to keep your freedom with Bitcoin. And then in the last financial summit in Paris in June this year, uh, Emmanuel Macron said, <laughs> we need a financial shock because of climate um, crisis. And so they're tying political agendas into money. And this is where we're heading. Wow. I mean, we need to have a difficult conversation on meat. This is the path to total tyranny, absolute control, following the Chinese social credit system. Now, you may have heard the phrase, the banality of evil, where you think, uh, evil is a you know a jackbooted Nazi thug with a machine gun pointed at someone uh, in a watchtower or a concentration camp. The banality of evil is your mid-level, high-level, unelected bureaucrat doing out the people's business and literally destroying your future, your children's future, your grandchildren's future. And I can think of no one better to describe the phrase, the banality of evil, than the European Central Bank President, Christine Lagarde. So watch this next clip. This is my final clip of the day, clip six. Climate change will be used by the central banks, digital currency as an excuse to print more money and as a scapegoat. But just listen to how she tries to sell this wonderful invention and take a look at her and her mannerisms. This is the face of tyranny. Clip six. Floods, droughts, and wildfires last year were just a preview of what is to come. A hotter climate and nature loss are changing our economy and our financial system. At the ECB, we must understand this change to ensure financial stability and to fulfill our price stability mandate. With our new climate and nature plan, we focus on the following three things. First, the green transition. Second, the growing physical impact of climate change. And third, the risks from nature loss and degradation. We will study the impact on the economy and the financial system. This will help us improve our own models. We will also work to reduce our carbon footprint in everything we do, from banknotes to how we supervise banks. I don't know what to say. She first of all starts out with absolute scientific lies about extreme weather getting worse. No, on every time scale, 30, 50, 100 years, peer-reviewed studies acknowledged by the United Nations, acknowledged by the National Climate Assessment of the US government. There's either no trend or declining trends in all of this extreme weather scenario. So first off, her justification is a lie. And then she said about everything being done for nature. You see that ecocide, nature rights, Everything's going to be done through the lens of how it impacts the climate, how it impacts Mother Earth. And this is where they just said, you're going to, the previous clip, you're going to have an, from the Bitcoin conference, you have an uncomfortable conversation about eating meat. This is the path to total tyranny using the latest digital technology and using uh, the World Economic Forum corporate government collusion. So be afraid, be very afraid, but more important than being afraid, be resistant.
defy and fight back. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about next. We have our, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by James Roguski, a researcher, author, activist. And we're going to take a deep dive into the World Health Organization, Bill Gates' role, the influence with China, and the pandemic treaty, which I believe is coming up for another round of fighting, May in Geneva, Switzerland. We'll be right back. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. TNT's Kate Shimarani. I'm of the, the belief that your body can totally 100% heal itself. If you remove the offending things and you flood your body with what it needs. What do your dogs and your kids do when they get sick? They lie down and sleep, don't they? They don't want to eat. They get great big temperatures and they just want to rest. What, do you think you're a special, special snowflake? You're any different? No, that's you as well. But what do they want to do when you go to the hospital? I've seen it firsthand in the last couple of weeks. They're just going to serve you rubbish food, wheat, sugar, dairy, animal protein, tea and coffee, fluoridated, chlorinated, bromine, water, drugs, pharmaceutical petroleum-based drugs. Kate Shamarani on today's News Talk TNT. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize Daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. We don't rock, rock. we talk. talk. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back to Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. All right, joining us now is James Roguski, researcher, author, activist. He's got a Substack at, at uh, uh, James Roguski at Substack. He has been beautifully covering the World Health Organization's pandemic treaty uh, and is a wealth of information. First of all, welcome to the program, James. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. All right, just so our, our the viewers know, uh, just explain what is the WHO pandemic treaty and why should we care? Give us your give us your elevator speech on it. What does it mean? Well, you know, it's based on a number of absolutely insane assumptions. Uh, <laughs> if you go back to December 1st of 2021, the World Health Assembly, which is 194 nations that are all members, got together and had a special session and the declaration that came out of that was that they wanted the WHO to oversee negotiating um, changes to existing regulations and a new agreement to ensure equitable access to pandemic-related products. Now, here's where the insanity comes in. At the time, the relatively poor nations around the world felt that the richer nations were hogging up all of the good drugs and jabs, and they were not able to get contracts to receive these wonderful products. And so 
what they put forth was a demand for equity. This is not about your health. No one is examining whether or not the medical countermeasures, the drugs, the jabs, the ventilators, the midazolam, you know, all of the many different jabs, nobody's discussing whether or not those are things that anybody should want. They're yeah. negotiating a trade dispute between the haves and the have-nots, between those who got contracts for all of these products and those who didn't. And so this is where everybody, I think, gets confused because they're not arguing about whether these products are good for you. They want a piece of the pie. Um, I can go into great detail as to why that happened, but in, in essence, if you erase everything you think you know about what's going on yeah. and realize that this is a trade dispute arguing for access to things that I would never put in my body, you realize <laughs> exactly. that the entire, the entire thing is insane. I remember, uh, you know, I think it was Greta Thunberg who was like, yeah, they're making the mRNA vaccine available to Africa. And it's like, well, great. I, yeah, I think Africans are lucky, number one. And number two, when they finally did, I think the uptake was like some cases less than 5% in most African countries. They weren't interested. None of the Africans wanted it in all these different countries. So it's about equity. That's interesting. Now, tell us like when they started this whole, pro when, where did the, when did the pandemic treaty talk start? I'm assuming it was before COVID or maybe it was right after COVID or has been around forever. I don't know. And what is the Biden administration's role in pushing this? Um, the, the discussion of this started about a year before that declaration. It actually came out of the European Commission, you know, the European Union. And it was obviously put into effect on December 1st, 2021, when they officially said they want the WHO to handle all of these discussions. But what actually happened about a month and a half after that, so January 18th, 2022, the Biden administration stuck their nose in a hornet's nest and they submitted along with, you know, not much fanfare at all. It was very much on the down low. They submitted amendments to the international health regulations. And so the international health regulations are the existing international agreement that governs how nations are supposed to behave when there's some kind of an international, what they call public health emergency of international concern, P-H-E-I-C, literally a fake. So the director general can declare a fake and the international health regulations have some guidelines as to what nations are supposed to do. If they you know, have information about an outbreak, they're supposed to notify the WHO. They're actually not supposed to impose trade restrictions and travel bans and all that sort of thing. But they ignored the international health regulations, went ahead and did that anyways. And so what Biden proposed appropriately, because it's supposed to be done four months in advance of the May meeting. So the Biden administration, you know, got it in on time, January 18th. They wanted to shorten the time frame for the next round of amendments, which is what we're currently dealing with at this moment in time, because this happened two years ago. Any amendment to the regulations goes into effect after two years, after it's adopted. He wanted to shorten it to six months. Now, if that had been put in place, that, that was completely kicked to the curb. But what they wanted to do, if you think about it, if you go ahead to the end of May this year, 
The last day of their scheduled meeting is June 1st. You go forward six months, you're in December. That is still within the Biden's administration. They wanted to shorten the time frame so they could ram through this next pile of amendments that we're dealing with now. But because there was that four-month period, the nations of the world looked at what he offered and said, you're not addressing their concerns, which was equitable access to all these drugs and jabs, and they completely kicked it to the curb. Now, what happened after that is really should be a scandal, but nobody wants to talk about it. In the middle of the assembly in 2022, not with four months notice, as is, you know, required, the US, the UK, a handful of other nations, the European Union submitted a different batch of amendments. And on May 28th, 2022, they published a document saying that these changes had been voted on and adopted. But the simple problem is they never bothered to vote. I mean, we think we have election integrity issues in the United <laughs> States. They've taken it to a whole nother level. They, they did not vote. There's no record of them voting and their meetings are all recorded on their own website. We got back in November 28th of 2023, we got a dozen members of the European Parliament to send a letter to the Director General Tedros of the WHO saying, you know, without any record that you guys voted on these, these are completely null and void. Now, they're doing yeah. something similar in the sense of ignoring the rules. Article 55 says that any proposed amendments have to be um, put forth and, and presented to the director general, who then has to communicate them to all of the member nations four months before the May meeting. Well, that date was January 27th, and they missed their deadline. And, and so by the letter of the law, which they have every intention of breaking, and they're conspiring to do so, they have meetings next week, um, February 5th through the 9th, to continue these negotiations. By the letter of the law, they missed their chance. They should not be making any changes at the assembly in May. They should have to wait until the next assembly. You know, it's kind of like when you miss a, an air, fl you know, air flight or a train or a bus. Hey, there's another one coming next year, but you missed this one. And, you know, they're cheating. They're basically going to ignore that rule. So we don't actually know what the heck it is that is in these documents. They gave us a version a year plus ago, and they've been negotiating in secret for over a year, but they missed their deadline to actually present them for consideration in May. Well, who is there an oversight body for the World Health? Do they answer to anyone? That is exactly the problem, okay? There is no court that you bring this to. And what it is, is there's a difference between the World Health Assembly, which is 194 nations, and the World Health Organization which is the bureaucracy. Right. So you can think of it as the legislative and the um, executive branch of government. Well, the World Health Assembly is supposed to be the governing body of the organization. But as has happened in almost any government institution, the executive branch keeps getting more money, more you know, uh, power, and they are, you know, together all year long, they've got a $4 billion budget. They spent a billion dollars on salaries 
for wow. their 8,851 employees, they earn an average of 120 grand a year. And the World Health Assembly gets together once a year for a week. So, you know, kind of while the cat's away, the mice will play. The WHO has obviously, you know, far more impact than the World Health Assembly, which only meets once a week, um, once a year for a week. And, you know, that disparity causes them to be involved in things that, you know, are seemingly completely out of control. Wow. So when you're looking at the World Health Assembly, what was the birthplace of this World <laughs> Health Assembly versus the World Health Organization? How, were the two founded, you know, made at the same time or was one around yeah, for a long in, time? Back in, the, later? back in the 1940s. Um, yeah. For the United States, every nation is a little different. You know, every nation joined whenever they chose to join. Um, on June 14th, 1948, Harry Truman signed a not, this was not through the Senate, as it says in the Constitution. This was a joint resolution of Congress, very short piece of legislation, just a couple of pages. They signed on to join. And what it said in that agreement was, you know, we're happy to join. Um, but nothing that the WHO says requires us to do anything. We're here to help. If you all want to give us advice, that's fine. But, you know, nothing can require the U.S. to do anything. Well, there's a different agreement that people get mixed up with here. Getting into the WHO was one thing. But uh, I'll ask you a question. I don't know your age. I usually have fun with people doing this. Do you remember where you were? in July of 1969, when they were purportedly landing on the moon, either on the moon or in a Hollywood soundstage somewhere. Um, do you have a recollection of that period of time? Were you, were you even- No, I was, I was an infant. So no, I was not even a year old at that point. So. <laughs> okay. At that same moment in time, the 22nd World Health Assembly was meeting yeah. in Boston. And that's when they adopted the international health regulations. That's kind of the start of part of these problems. That document never was voted on by any Senate or Congress or Parliament. The way they operate is they got a bunch of bureaucrats together in Boston. They agreed to the international health regulations and they work on what they call the silence procedure. They said, great, we've made this agreement. We'll give you all nine months. And if nobody rejects it, then on the 1st of January, 1971, it went into legally binding effect. That's how they operate the amendments to the international health regulations. They get a bunch the World of bureaucrats. Who, that was World Health Assembly met in Boston or World Health Organization? The, the World Assembly. Health Assembly, right. You know, Assembly. Think, of a state, think of a state assembly, you send delegates, you send representatives, yes. whatever. And, well, and at the so, time, what Richard Richard Nixon was president. This was, so did he send a delegation? Did he have anything to do with it, or he was just completely not involved? The Nixon he was the president. He was the president at the time. Whether he was personally involved or not, who can say? But what it set up was essentially a council of heads of state who send delegates, you know, the, to the World Health Assembly. They created this international health regulations, and. If any amendments are made, which happened in 2005, they totally revamped the whole thing. They do not come back to the nation for the Senate's consent. They do not come back for a vote or any such thing. As long as they keep it on the down low, 
and nobody says anything, there's a period of time that each leader can re reject the amendments, but silence is viewed as consent. So once the deadline passes, hey, too late. You didn't, it's kind of like going to a wedding where they say, if anybody you know objects to this matrimony, right. speak now or forever hold your peace. If nations don't object, it's assumed that you're all fine and dandy with it. And that's the process that we're headed into in May if they adopt, they need a simple majority of the 194 nations. So think of all of the tiny little nations on the planet, all of the small right. island nations. You know, there's 194 members. If they get a simple majority, because each nation gets one vote. So China and India with a billion and a half people and the United States with, you know, three and a half hundred million people, Brazil, Nigeria, Indonesia, you know, all one vote. But if they can coerce the smaller nations to vote in favor of this, it's a simple majority. And so what they want is not what most people think. And again, we're dealing with insanity here. So forgive me for just explaining yeah. what I think is crazy. The amendments that were proposed way back in September of 2022 included proposals from Bangladesh and also from the 47 nations in the African region, very similar proposals to create a new Article 13A. And what their solution to this trade dispute was, is they know that the director general can declare a fake a public health emergency of international concern. They wanted to give him additional authority to be the person who determines what is needed set up an allocation mechanism, and then he would be authorized to tell whatever nation had the manufacturing capacity to do that, to manufacture what he said is needed and give it to the nations that need it. Now, in an emergency, you know, very often, you know, somebody has to be in charge to make things happen, but that would set up a dictatorial, totalitarian, really Marxist, communist, control the means of production, and put it all in the hands of one person with no checks or balances or, or any such thing. So that's one of the solutions to their trade dispute that is on the table. There's another one in the other agreement, which is on a different timeline, totally different thing. Currently, the what everybody calls the pandemic treaty is being rewritten because the nations are arguing over intellectual property and manufacturing know-how. What they want in that agreement is different. They view pathogens as a commodity, as a natural resource, as you know, a, a national treasure, if you will, because if you think about it, look how many billions of dollars have been made by the pharmaceutical companies just based on the genomic sequence of a variant. And so right. what the nations are asking for, quite frankly, demanding, they call a pathogen access and benefit sharing system in return for the information about whatever pathogen they might be able to find. They would hand that over to a centralized WHO hub of laboratories to be examined and potentially manipulated, give it that information to the pharmaceutical companies who then would give them benefits in the form of 20% of whatever they manufacture as a drug or a jab based on 
that biological pathogen. Well, that's suspiciously close to biological warfare. Now, what they want and what they're arguing about is, well, how much do we get? Who gets you know, any of the benefits? Because what happened with the Omicron variant is when South Africa and Botswana identified it and alerted the world and shared the genome, um, they did what they were obligated to do under the regulations. But they then watched Pfizer and Moderna turn that into the boosters and make billions of dollars. Right. And they want like Absolutely. a it's almost like an actor in a TV show wants residuals for reruns. In other words, they want Very to money downstream. Yeah. Right. And and so um there's a strange set of bedfellows in all of this because most of the politicians in the United States get donations from pharmaceutical companies. So they're supporting the pharmaceutical company's position saying, well, you know, if they have intellectual property, they should keep that, you know, with patents and copyrights and trademarks and whatever it may be. And, you know, manufacturing know-how and the other side of that is, well, wait a minute, that's actually intellectual piracy. You're stealing, you know, the raw material. It's very colonial in the sense of nations that have been colonized have had their raw materials taken, whether it's timber from a forest or iron ore or diamonds or gold or, you know, cobalt or, um, you know, any other mineral. Um, then the products are manufactured the value is added and it becomes so expensive that the nations that provided the resources can't afford the products. So right. if you, if you think about other products, you know, somebody working in a lithium mine or a cobalt mine can't afford a Tesla, right? You know, somebody working in a diamond mine can't afford, you know, an engagement ring. This is very similar. The raw materials of the pathogens are handed over according to the regulations, but the money all flows to the people who own the stock in the pharmaceutical companies. And wow, okay. what we're dealing with here is based on insanity because they should comprehend by now that the products that they want to be able to make are deadly. And that isn't part of the equation because this is not about health. This is about a transfer of wealth. They wow. want intellectual property, manufacturing know-how, and investment capital. And they literally, it says in some of the documents that they want developed nations to build state-of-the-art infrastructure in developing nations. And the pharmaceutical companies would be more than happy to take government money and do that as long as they continue to make the profits. But yes. what's holding up these negotiations is, you know, who gets which piece of this multi-billion dollar pie? And so wow. anybody who pays attention and understands what's going on here just, you know, says, this is insane. The answer is no. The WHO's budget for all things in 2022, they spent about $3.8 billion. They want $31 billion to build out the infrastructure to prevent the next pandemic. Well, wait a minute. If you understand anything at all about the Wuhan Institute of Virology, do you think it's a good idea to build a whole bunch more of them? Yeah. Okay. It's a great idea if your goal is to make a lot of money. 
but it's not a great idea if you want to improve the health of people in the world. It's diverting money away from heart disease, stroke, cancer, diabetes, and, you know, in various nations, tuberculosis or malaria or, you know, the things that actually people have issues with rather than spending 10 times that amount of money to look for a pathogen with pandemic potential so you can bring it into a nice new lab to make more money by putting fear into everybody's heart and then getting the government to print the money or borrow it and and throw it at the people who created the pandemic in the first place. This is corruption and pandemic profiteering on a degree that is unbelievable until you look at it and you go, oh, none of this makes any sense if you have, you know, concern in your heart for the health of people, but it makes all of the sense if you're greedy and you've got a piece of the pie, you know, coming your way. Back in November of 2022, the Indonesian health minister was talking to all the business leaders at the B20, and he was talking about a totally different fund, the World Bank Pandemic Fund, and he told the audience, they've got billions of dollars, go invest. This is a great business opportunity. And when you see it for what it really is, you know, you realize that it's being driven by greed and and just evil. And it's being presented as if it's something to protect us from the next pandemic, which it most certainly is not. Well, all right, we'll be right back. We'll take a short break. We're talking to James Roguski about the World Health Organization, World Health Assembly, the Pandemic Treaty. You're watching Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, the trial between Michael Mann and Mark Stein continues in Washington, D.C., and something very interesting has just occurred. It appears that Michael Mann has succeeded in putting his hockey stick on trial in Mann versus free speech. Now, this is very interesting because if Stein's people can get the people watching this trial to understand that Dr. Mann would not reveal how he came up with his conclusions, that should instantly, instantly make it so that this thing should be dismissed. So I don't know if Dr. Mann was thinking, but apparently the hockey stick his famed idea that let's take away the medieval warming period and the Earth's temperature just flatlined and went up like crazy. And it really put him on the map and became an icon for the IPCC. I don't know if he wants this because you would need discovery and the discovery would be, let me see your data. Why should the entire planet simply accept something? Maybe Michael Mann is the most honest guy in the world, but why should we accept his word without looking at the data? So this is going to be very, very interesting over the next few days. And it is a big deal because this kind of stuff going on where people are suing other people for things that are questionable at best, it's got to stop or society will spin out of control. This is weatherbell.com Chief Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Taking no prisoners, this is Unleashed with Mark Morano on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back to Unleashed with Mark Morano. All right, we're talking with James Roguski, who's an investigative journalist looking deeply into the World Health Organization. Uh, what you're describing, James, to me about how this set up is, seems similar to the whole UN climate process, 
where uh, instead of these, I guess you'd call them, you know, they make money off the variants, the developing world poor countries are all excited and it becomes a trade issue because they're making money off of the UN climate fund. So you typically get the poorest nations having the highest attendance levels at the UN summits, demanding these agreements because they're going to get chunks of these you know, hundreds of billions of dollars going to their coffers and going to their reelection and everything else is a lot of corruption. And just like you said about the world health, it's not about health or medicine, and neither is the world United Nations about climate. They've actually admitted, you know, we are not. This is not an environmental thing. This is not about the climate. We're here to redistribute the world's wealth uh, by climate policy. So my question is, I saw an article UK Telegraph reported last year about the pandemic treaty. It says, quote, member states, states would be obligated to follow the, the WHO's instructions when responding to pandemics, including introducing vaccine passports, border closures, quarantine measures under a draft update. It would require countries to recognize WHO as the guidance and coordinating authority of international public health response and undertake to follow WHO's recommendations. Is that still on the table or have we defeated that kind of scary thing where essentially you could have global instant lockdowns? Well, um, to comment on the first part of what you said, um, yes. we, you know, about the money, um, you know, we need a sound effect board to go ding, 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 because you, know, <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. Um, what's going on in the alternative media, unfortunately, is people are mixing up these two sets of documents. And so yes. then what happens is things get cross-pollinated. And let me see if I can, in just a minute or two, clarify it. Sure, I'm Way just reading. This, this was what it said is, uh, and this is the UK Telegraph, the headline, the World Health could gain powers to impose lockdown on UK. Now, obviously, we're we might be talking about apples and oranges, but go ahead now and make the distinction. So there's two separate tracks. The first track that we started talking about for the most part was the amendments to the existing international health regulations going all the way back to 1969. Yes. There's 197 pages with over 300 amendments. And that was kept secret until December of 2022. And for all of 2023, they were negotiating on it. And the deadline for them to present their final package of targeted amendments in alignment with Article 55 was January 27th, and they haven't shown us what's in there. Now, what was in the original documents would have given powers that you mentioned and things like that, but we don't know if those are still hanging around. What I mentioned about setting up this allocation mechanism so that Tedros would tell nations to make products and give them to other ones, that's really one of the things that they want in, in those documents. Now, the other document, because what happens is people take information from the proposed amendments and they say, well, the treaty or the agreement or right. the accord, that's a totally different document. And it's in a state of flux as we speak because the arguments are so severe, the nations told the working, the intergovernmental negotiating body that's handling those negotiations go back to the drawing board and give us a new version. The latest one was in October. We're expecting a new version sometime in February. They're, they're meeting February 19th. They have a different track. They don't have the deadline. They're planning on negotiating right up to the May deadline. But the other thing that you said is spot on. That's why I said you got to hit the bell. Um, they want that to be 
a framework convention. Now, what a framework convention is, is you agree to whatever. It could be a blank piece of paper, but you agree to set up a new bureaucracy called the Conference of the Parties that would meet year after year after year forever, just like the 1992 Framework Convention for Climate Change. So if you think that the Framework Convention for Climate Change was absolutely wonderful, then you're going to love the Framework Convention for <laughs> Pandemic Preparedness well you know, Prevention. And, and so setting up a brand new bureaucracy and agreeing to abide by whatever these unknown, unelected, unaccountable participants at these yearly you know, events, we, we have to do whatever they decide I don't think so. That's just a, any form of a framework convention. You just have to look to climate change and you go, how in the world are governments following these, you know, this decisions that are made on a yearly basis? It's because they signed on and our Senate did confirm with two thirds majority and we're, you know, party to the framework convention on climate change that's a disaster that should be used as an example of don't ever do that again that is absurd but that's what no, they're wait. trying to do yeah they, they they ratified that which means you know that's what they argued when we signed the un paris climate agreement with obama and john Kerry signed it with his granddaughter they said we didn't need a senate ratification because they used the prior ratification of the original rio earth summit uh, when they went there in 1992. so the question is why doesn't a world health organization need senate ratification if we ever got to that point for any kind of pandemic treaty or anything similar they, they do and they should and that's why they want to shove everything into the amendments if possible so that they can okay. avoid it okay well i feel like we have a lot more to talk about but Thank you so much, James Roguski, investigative reporter. You'll be covering this year's uh, meeting. And uh, what do you expect out of that in like 10 or 15 seconds? What do you expect out of the meeting in Geneva coming up in May? Well, I have every hope that it's going to crumble before it ever gets there. And um, stay tuned and we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. Thank you very much. James Roguski, check him out on Substack. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano. We'll see you next time.